Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, Razorback fans. Welcome to another episode of the Hog Talk Podcast, live from the Sterling Soap and Roastery Studios, part of the Believe in Buzz Radio Networks, where you can hear us on 106.7 in Central Arkansas. All live shows are presented to you by Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark. I am Porter Hayes, and we're also brought to you by Bet Online. It continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And we bring back to us via the Metro's Lumber Hotline, Justin McLeod. Hey, um, got you a new new gig now. You're not just Justin's world anymore. You, you are part of the big dogs, D1 softball. So I didn't even tell this to you often. Off air, but congratulations. Uh, for those who don't know, this guy right here has grinded and grinded and grinded in the softball world probably 15 years now. So big props to you for joining the D1 softball team. I appreciate you, man. That's, I appreciate that. It's been a lot of fun. It's we're eight weeks, seven weeks in now, yeah. and it's, it's been it's a lot of fun. I appreciate that. Is it the same grind? I mean, are you pretty much doing the same thing, or is it a little bit more structured now? You know, what, what's, I guess just give an update on your role with D1 Softball and what you're doing. So the official title is Associate Editor, which looks good on a business card, let's just be honest. It looks good on a business card. That's what a title is for. Um, no, I mean, it is the same grind. You know me. I'm always somewhere – I, I hit as many games in person, many teams in person as I can. That doesn't change. We're three weeks into the season, and I've got close to 3,000 miles on my car this year. Like, that doesn't change. Um, I will say being part of the group that is here at D1, whether that's the existing writers, Graham Hayes, Rhiannon Potkey, are both, um, we're both already at D1, and they've stuck around. Those two are two of the best feature writers. And so from a writing side, to have to be on that team, uh, Shelly Carlin and I both joined D1 at the same time. Um, we had started the Dugout Digest and came over to D1. And then we brought in a digital team that's got Jenna Becerra and Amanda Lorenz. Paige Halstead's done some stuff for us. So just the group that we've assembled that's been put together and the work everybody's doing, it's fun for me. The grind is still there. But, gosh, the group, being part of that group has been so much fun. And I'm sure having you, – you said that having a team, you're, you're not feeling like you're having to do – everything on your own coverage, edit, write, do everything. Cause I know, you know, at one time you're wanting to do a podcast and you know, just everything that y'all are wanting to do and being, and Jenna, we had Jenna on talking. Uh, she actually does a, a softball podcast on believe. So very, very knowledgeable. I mean, talking about some killer guests that I would love to pick their softball brains when it comes to, you know, having those athletes on, it, it's just a, building a juggernaut and we see a lot and I think with the popularity of softball you're seeing D1 you're seeing other people join forces and not just with D1 but other outlets I mean they're starting to get a lot of good coverage from year in year out and I think with these preseason tournaments which we'll get into with Arkansas um, 
the, the another classic and stuff. They're starting to get televised more. You're starting to see a lot more coverage, and I'm sure that helps you out a lot when you want to take a weekend off. You can kind of sit there and watch it from the from the house. A weekend off? What's that? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. The number of games that are accessible from wherever I am certainly makes a difference. It, it helps me a lot, and it helps all of us because you know whether we have how many people on site at this tournament, we've still got other people who are keeping up with how many games, you know, dozens of games nationwide, mm-hmm. you know, the daily thing. Um, but you're right. Being, being, having that team and being on that team makes such a huge difference versus being the solo grinder. Um, it's a huge difference. And, and moving to Arkansas, you know, coming into the season, we knew what Courtney Dyfel had done with the lineup with, with that just stack top to bottom. We were talking about nationally, probably one of the best lineups top to bottom one to nine you, we thought, you know, of course, with their pitching, you lose. I mean, we yeah. talked about, me and Adam talked about it last night. You don't have an Autumn Storms or a Mary Half or Shanice Dels anymore. You know, you, you have, you know, Robin Heron, we'll get into that in a second, her performance coming off an injury. So you really didn't know what you had coming into this season. So I mean, it's just what little you've been able to see off of the, of course, the perfect game. What, what have you been impressed with with Arkansas so far? I, I think you have to start with the pitching because if, if you look at the numbers year to year from where Arkansas's pitching was at this time last year with Shanice Dells, um, and you look at them now, you take you take that Dells factor out and you would expect the numbers, you know, especially in the early goings, young staff probably balloons, you know, maybe just stays put, whatever. The numbers are actually better. Um, and, and to me, that's a huge win for Arkansas. Um, their win-loss record, sixteen games in, mm-hmm. sixteen games is the exact same. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's it's the it's the pitching. The lineup, we know the lineup, we know the lineup. For me, it's the pitching. Um, I think I think they've gone above and beyond what I think my at least my expectation was for them. Um, Robin Heron, Linestock, you know, just the whole group of them. They've gone above and beyond. My, my expectations for him. So for me, I think what I've been most impressed with starts and ends with the pitching. And you're talking about line stock. Of course, when you have another, look what Shanice did from coming over from Tulsa to Arkansas. Now you got line stock coming from Southern Miss to Arkansas. I, I will say this though, in any position that I have seen Diefel and her assistants really be able to hone in on is pitching. Just the, just with the spin rate. I mean, I remember how quickly, you know, Dells picked up the drop ball. And we seen in just a couple of practices how fast. I was very impressed with Robin because, I mean, coming off an injury, you didn't know what you were going to get out of her physically from, from a standpoint of recovery. And for her to throw a perfect game, I mean, granted, it was in run rule fashion, not a full seven any game, but still yet enough. I mean, that, that's, that is very impressive when you're talking about in the game of softball where anybody can play with anyone on any given day. Just, I, I guess in a sense, how rare is a perfect game in softball, like from your standpoint? I mean, it's still, like, it's still not a common thing. Like, it, it, it's, and the thing too is, you know, it happens, I'm not going to say it happens a lot, it does happen in the non-conference portion of the season sometimes, mm-hmm. but that's the thing. Sometimes it's, you you can say, okay, well this, um, 
you know, power five team is playing, uh, you know, second game of a double header against somebody, you know, you, you, there's all these qualifiers. My thing has always been perfect game, no hitter. It's hard yeah. to keep an opposing lineup for five innings, for six innings, for seven innings. There were a couple of eight inning, no hitters this past weekend across the country. It's hard to keep any opposing team off the basis for that long. So, it's it's not something that just doesn't ever happen. It doesn't happen a ton, but to me, that's one of the more impressive things, especially to not allow a base runner at all. Um, no matter the opponent, no matter the any of the qualifying information, that's hard to do. Um, and I mean, it's hard to do too because you start feeling that pressure. If you pay attention, you look at the scoreboard mm-hmm. and you glance up, and it's a zeros, and you're like, wait a minute, like any anything like that can add so much pressure. Um, so I think it's one of the more impressive things you can do in softball even still. And like I say, it's not necessarily super uncommon, um, but it doesn't happen every day. And when it does happen, all those qualifiers got to go out the door because it's just impressive stuff. Yeah. And I think, and, you know, being able to here in Arkansas, see a lot of the, the high school ranks and we've got a couple of pitchers in Arkansas in, in lower classifications, you know, five innings, they're winning 10 nothing, 15 nothing games, and they're throwing 13 perfect games in a, in a yeah. season. So I guess from a standpoint of like me and the people that I cover the softball with here in Arkansas, it's almost like a watered down because you're going into those five inning run rules. And if you're, mm-hmm. you're a D1 pitcher pitching in a 2 3A classification, those things are honestly, to me, it's expected to happen. I, I mean, I preach to my kids all the time, you know, they, they, you go to a 4A school or a 3A school and you want to go to E1, it's like you have to dominate in your classification if you're in a lower classification to try to move up and be at that D1 level. And, you know, going back to we knew the lineup and I really wanted to get your thoughts of when you've seen this lineup in this offseason start coming together, and then on top of that, bring a gasso into it and really the coaching staff. What, what was your initial thoughts when you seen this team get put, back, put, put together? Well, so start with at the end of last season, you look at who, was, who you knew was coming back. You knew you had Hannah Gamble, but you didn't know what you were going to get from Hannah Gamble. The All-American two years ago takes a step back last year statistically. Um, you had Kylie Halverson coming back. We knew that. You had the Reagans out in the outfield. So you knew you had some pieces. Well, then you add into that, say, a Nia Carter. And all of a sudden, you have an outfield that's got three speedsters in it. Yep. Um, the you know Big Ten hits leader. So all of a sudden, you just added another get on base. And you've added the dimension that a lot of softball teams like to have, don't always utilize, but like to have the capability of doing, which is, a second leadoff. Like you, if you wanted to, you could throw a Reagan Johnson or a Nia Carter in the nine hole and, you know, have Reagan Kramer in the, or have Reagan Kramer in the nine hole and have Carter and Johnson one, two, like you had three speeches that you could put at the top and the bottom. So that sometimes you've got them all in order and causing havoc. So you get Nia Carter. That's a, that's a good piece because now you have a depth in that speed element which also protects, you know, from injury because that's always a good thing to do too. Then you add Briellis to that. And Briellis, I mean, she she's, hits home runs left and right and you put her at Vogel Park. Yeah. So now you've added a home run threat to that extent who's familiar with SEC pitching, who was an SEC freshman of the year, who's used to playing 
pitchers of that level. So it's not like there's going to be any kind of learning curve. And then you add in, oh, by the way, Ryland Hedgecock's coming back after all. And that's an All-American that yeah. you've just honestly added to the lineup as if she was a transfer because you didn't expect her to come back. Like that wasn't something yeah. Courtney Diefel could have put in pin on her lineup card for 2024. She thought she was done. So when you look at that lineup, it's a little bit of murderer's row, maybe not star power to the extent that when you had the Danielle Gibsons and the uh, Hannah yeah, McEwens yeah. a couple of years oh, ago, that were huge names mm-hmm. or KB sides even, yeah. but effectiveness and capability wise, pretty similar. If you look, if you look at it on paper, yeah. Then you add DJ Gasso, kind of a renewed, kind of a um, improved offensive approach. And it's like, okay, now you have this lineup with a coach who's got DJ's knowledge. And so it's like, you know, coming in, I really don't think there were really any concerns lineup wise. You knew you were going to score. You knew you were going to, you know, get on base. You were going to hit home runs. You know, you were going to steal base. You knew you were going to do all the things offensively. Um, and and so far, to my estimation, they honestly have. And you get into a great point of you, you're talking about when you're throwing a perfect game and getting into your head. You mm-hmm. you opposing team, you see this lineup. How do you pitch around this lineup? Like you 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 got runners in scoring position, and you know, well, we we can pitch around this one. But then you got Briellis, then you got Halverson. Then you have a Hannah Gamble as she's hot. I mean, so how much do you think that kind of plays into really puts pressure on the opposing pitching staff of we can't miss? There's nobody to pitch around because on any given day, these girls could go four for four. Oh, it's huge. I mean, I think, you know, anytime an opposing coach, for instance, looks at Arkansas's lineup, knows we're going to play them, okay, let's look at what we've got to deal with. Some coaches are going to see, oh, well, remember what Hannah Gamble's capable of. We've seen Hannah Gamble. She was an All-American. Remember what Hannah Gamble's capable of. Oh, Ryland Hedgecock was an All-American. Remember that. Oh, Briellis hits home runs left and right. Remember that. Some coaches are probably going to look at a Kylie Halverson type and see Kylie Halverson as the quote-unquote weak spot. And honestly, I've said it. I don't know that, the, that there's anybody in that lineup that I'd rather have up in a clutch moment other than Halverson. Mm-hmm. So if that's the quote unquote weak spot, what does that tell you? Um, but I mean, it, it's it wreaks havoc on an opposing pitcher and an opposing pitching coach and just an opposing coaching staff to try to game plan for that lineup because everybody's a little different. You know, you don't have cookie cutter hitters. And that's one thing I think DJ Gasso's done well is you don't have a lot of cookie cutters in this lineup. You don't have you know one pitch that can beat the whole lineup. Um, so you've got, but you've also got a little bit of that speed component, a little bit of that power component, and a little bit of just the get on base ability all in one through nine. And it's hard to prepare for because you can't focus on just one hitter. You can't say, okay, well, they've got one hitter, and if we don't pitch to the three hole, then we can still go at the four hole. No, you've got to pick and choose who, who you want to let beat you. And maybe some days you're willing to let Hedgecock beat you because you want to walk gamble in front of her maybe some days you're willing to let ellis beat you because you're you want to get around hedgecock in front of her you know whatever it is you just kind of have to you know pick and choose who you're going to pitch to and then you know pray yeah um but that that's what it does to an opposing pitcher and and that's huge for arkansas because at that point whose day is it yeah whose turn is it and then throw in a pitcher like hannah camenson 
that's batting five fifty six. You know, five for nine. You know, and limited. But let's throw in. You're talking about weakest link. Let's go down to what you thought was going to be your weakest link and your your catcher. She's leading the team mm-hmm. in hitting. Kennedy Miller's hitting four sixty four. You know, yeah. I mean, it's six or let's see, yeah, eight eight RBIs, and you're batting four sixty four. Freshman. Yeah. Yeah. So when when you and I know a lot of it now. I'm not saying she's not going to go on a tear and continue this, but a lot of you freshmen, you don't know what you're seeing. But it's very impressive when you see people come in like this with this stacked lineup, and you come in as a freshman and you're not intimidated to come in and step into this lineup and produce the way you're doing. I said I think that says a lot about her, her poise coming in as a freshman because, you know, look, four years ago you come in as a freshman, you're asked to start. You're thrown to the lion's den. You're scared. You know, you just look how far this program's come in the last five, six years. And there's, you know, you see the lineup, and for her to come in and do what she's doing and now lead the team in the first 16 games of the season and hitting, I mean, it's it, – it, and all that does is allow your other hitters to relax and hit more home runs. Well, of course, we've seen that with Lenny and Danielle when they were going on their back-to-back home run tear, you know, at the end of the – that season, you know, it's just you get relaxed, you are um, able. But I was really surprised to see a Gasso come over, knowing that Mama's coming to the conference next year. You know, I mean, that just adds something else to that. You know, no, it does. I mean, I think, I think that was one of those perfect storms, so to speak. You, you look at DJ Gasso and where he and his wife are from; they're both close to family now it also gave him an opportunity to be close to family without sacrificing his coaching career because you're still at an Arkansas. Yeah. Utah went to the world series last year, but you're at an Arkansas program. That's going to, that's a perennial postseason contender. You know, even last year getting out in the you know, ousted in the regionals, you're still talking about an Arkansas team that, you know, you could make the world series any given year. So I think it was really a perfect storm of the personal side of get close to the family, um, it, you know, it, it helps to not have to play mom and brother the first year. So you can get a little acclimated, mm-hmm. you know, um, family ragging rights can come in year two. Um, but I, I do think it was a perfect storm. And so far, I think it's working out really well for everybody um, based on what I've seen on the field and et cetera. I kind of want to ask, I've wanted to ask this question, but you know, when you go through a coaching change, Sometimes it's not the easiest of things to do. And knowing where Arkansas was as a program and kind of Coach Diefel cutting ties with a longtime assistant, do, do you think that says anything of the fact of not necessarily saying there was a, a holding back of the program, but when you have the opportunity to get someone like Agasso what does it say for cutting those ties and going and making the program better, bringing in somebody like a DJ Gasso? Do, do you think that – you know how competitive Coach Diefel is. Yeah. Do, do you think, all right, I, I have a tough decision here with this crossroads here. Do you feel like, all right, we're at a plateau and we're trying to get better so we go get that coach? Or do you just – do you think there's other reasonings behind that? Um. Well, I don't know – truth be told what Courtney Dyfel's thought process was. I mean, I could see it being one of a couple of things. Um, I know for me personally, 
I think the one thing DJ Gasso has that I see that maybe wasn't there before um, was something I referenced a minute. I think the way he, he coaches and guides an offense is not necessarily unicorn style unique, but unique in the sense of, I think he, he knows how to coach a balanced offense. I, I mentioned earlier, there's not really a lot of cookie cutter hitters mm-hmm. on, on this team. Um, and, and there were some, if even if you go back to that super regional against Texas two years ago, there were just some things that I saw that I, I really wasn't sure what to make of at the time because of the lineup that was there. Um, but I, I think really that, that, that's the thing probably about DJ Gasso that has impressed me the most in these first three weeks is I think his ability to lead an offense that's not one-dimensional, like to lead a multi-dimensional offense. Because even if you look at Arkansas's opening week, I think they had a home run in the last game of the weekend, if memory serves. Um, yeah. Didn't have one the rest of the weekend. Had a lot of get on base, had a lot of doubles. That was in Boca Raton. Not always the easiest place to hit home runs in, but that offense from the jump had those extra dimensions, had that multidimensional offense able to do those things. I don't necessarily think that that's something that's always been there. So I think that's something that about DJ that I have liked what I've seen is the ability to have those multiple dimensions and to work to a situation versus letting a situation work against you. Yeah. And and I, I know exactly what you're pointing at. I mean, and let's just be honest. I've covered the team for five years now. They, They couldn't hit the off speed. They, they had so much trouble with hitting off speed. It, and that's what killed him in the Texas game. Girl was thrown on a bum shoulder and was just – and they played Louisville a few years back, and that girl, I mean, she was just killing them with the off speed. That was when red flags started kind of as the team. You know, you've got power hitters, but they could not hit the off speed. And I think that's one of the things that I'm interested in seeing with DJ is – can he really mold them to, like you said, not be one-dimensional? And not, when I say one-dimensional, be able to be power hitters on a fastball. You need to be able to pick up that off speed because you're going through an SEC lineup, and then you want to go to not only get through the SEC. Now, you've won SEC championships. You know, your expectations as a program super regional. Now, I, I see that's where Arkansas's expectations is. The honeymoon phase is over of – where we've built the program, the program's here. And you've got to get to that point. I mean, what it said to me was, and this is sometimes, you know, it's it's nothing against the coach, but we've seen the consistencies of certain things in the hitting, and you're like, okay, but how do you pass up that opportunity? And it just showed me like, all right, she's ready to win a national championship. Not, nothing against anybody personally, but I just – I she's always wanted to win – Right. I, I think when you have this lineup and you make those decisions, and, and I know that probably had to be one of the tough – I have not asked her, and I won't. But I know that had to be one of the toughest decisions she's had to make as a coach. But when you do that add-on and seeing that how it could drastically change your hitting in your lineup, that could be the difference between going to Oklahoma City or you're stuck still get, trying to get out of a Super Regional. Well, and I think – I mean, I'll say this. I think there's a certain level. It takes a certain level of guts to put uh, the, you know, make a decision that puts the good of a team above uh, a personal, but uh, you know, not, I don't know what word I'm you know, trying to use yeah. here, but above somebody who's been, you know, around for a long time. If a 
change needs to be made to have the guts to do it. I mean, that takes something. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, there were some pretty clear deficiencies in the offense at different times. Um, and I think at times there was a lack of adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that's where I think the, the addition of DJ and what his skill set is when Arkansas was able to hire DJ from Utah coming off a world series run, you got to remember that Utah team had not been even to the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament in several years. Yeah. They put together a season like they had last year and make her run all the way to the world series. And they had a great pitcher leading the way, but that offense was a huge piece of how they were able to do that. And you and nailed that. Re- you, you nailed that because how many times have we seen a stable of a rotation carry a team to the world series? And now it was the other way around. Look, they had a good pitching staff, but we knew they got there because of DJ Gasso and, and the hitting. And I want to kind of ask you this and we can close it out on these couple last questions. Does Arkansas have like the most, would you say, underrated coaching staff when it comes to the combo of DJ and Matt Michael? Just the knowledge that he has. I mean, that that's a pretty stacked one-two punch when you talk about the assistant coaches that Dipel has. No, it is, and I mean, Matt Michael is one of the smartest individuals I've ever come across in the softball world, and he's absolutely underrated in that camp. The man's brain works in ways mine could only hope yeah. to work. So let me just throw that out yeah. there. Um, so in, in that sense, absolutely. Um, I, I do think, too, as a group, I think DJ has huge name recognition because of his last name. Mm-hmm. Um, Diefel has huge name recognition just in general. Um, it's The thing that gets me is that each of the three coaches, so I'm taking Danielle Gibson out because she's only been in coaching a couple of years. Yeah. So not, I'm not excluding her, but just speaking of I'm just talking about those three. Yeah, that's all I'm, yeah. Um, each of them, I think, has have aspects that are, even Diefel, that are underrated. Because if you look at Diefel's ability to develop pitchers and a pitching, in, inside of a pitching staff, I don't think she gets enough credit no, for that. No, she does I, not, no. I've started using Shanice Dels as a verb. Um, like who's going to get delsed this year um, was what I said in the preseason about Arkansas's pitching. Um, Matt Michael, like I say, the way his his mind works and the way his brain works, there is so much to be gleaned from somebody who understands those aspects of the game that he does. And he's absolutely underrated in that category. And then DJ Gasso, I think because his last name has such recognition, I think some people tend to look at that and just assume – to use a phrase I've used a couple of times tonight, that he's cookie cutter in the gasso line. Yeah. Um, but I think one thing about DJ that I've always had an appreciation for in the conversations that I've had with him over time, um, even though we, we even had a 30 minute conversation that, for an article that I wrote right after he got hired at Arkansas, he doesn't lean on that name. He's a worker. He, he could very easily coast through an entire career in softball on the basis of his last name. He could but he doesn't, he, mm-hmm. he use he puts in the work. And I think that's an underrated trait because somebody who chooses to forego the easy route to take the hard route, to get there on his own merit. I think that's something you've got to, you've got to have an appreciation for. And I think that's something that probably DJ Gasso, maybe because people don't know it in all likelihood, because people don't know it. But I think that's something that 
I have an appreciation for in the way he does business, and I think he's underrated in that category. Yeah, definitely, because, you know, a name don't get you to the World Series. And, and you know, right. you, you look, you can get your foot in the door with your name, but you have to produce. And what? But I wanted to bring up one of the uh, the graduate managers, Parker Staggs. He is another one that really is behind the scenes that you want to talk about the development of Shanice, was right there, right along with Coach Diefel. This guy is brilliant when it comes to the pitching aspect and just watching their mechanics on how when you go from point A to point B and how they're explaining to her the spin on the ball and then watching it happen, it was just very, very impressive. So for I'm, I'm not trying to steal away a, a, someone off of her staff to another, another school, but I could see him getting some kind of promotion in the near future because he I've seen him behind the scenes with this team along with Diefel. And you think about like Diefel being a catcher, you know, she's got a catching background and for her to be able to relay what she's seen, not do, it's easy for a pitcher to tell a pitcher how to pitch, but her having a catcher's background and show people how to do, I mean, that's one, you talk about the underrated aspect of that. I think that's one of the aspects of, coaching from the other side of things no you're right i mean it's it's there's little nuances that i think factor in that are easy to miss on the surface um but pieces like that that i think factor in that start to explain and start to make things make sense as you go through um like i i really do i mean it's you don't necessarily think of catchers being great pitching coaches But then you start looking, and what did, what was Missy Lombardi's position in college? What was Diefel's? Yep. You know, you start going around, and you and you some of these some of the best pitching coaches in the country didn't throw the ball; they threw the ball. They didn't pitch the ball; they threw the ball back to the pitcher. Yeah. Um, but there's such an understanding that comes with that, with being a catcher on a top level team. It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. Um, and I think that's another, to use your word earlier, I think it's you know, an underrated quality. Um, you know, who thinks about the depth of knowledge that a catcher has to have to manage a pitching staff on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. Like, and that's not something necessarily that crosses your mind right off the bat, but then when you start thinking about it, it's like, oh, you know what? Catcher, not that nothing take anything away from pitchers because pitchers are, you know, pitching, but catchers have to have the depth of knowledge and understanding to catch maybe three, four pitchers on a staff, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, different pitchers in each game of a double header. And to, the, the depth of knowledge a catcher has to have. And all of a sudden it's like, you know what? I can see why some catchers make really solid pitching coaches. Yeah. Um, I think Diapel and Lombardi are probably the two greatest examples of that. Um, at least the first two that come to mind. Um, but I do think that's something that, again, in that category of underrated qualities that maybe aren't on the surface, I think that falls into that same category. And last question, just a generic, you know, team as a whole. You know, what is it going to take, especially looking all across the country, what we've seen so far with, with softball, what's it going to take from Arkansas to put it together and get to Oklahoma City this year? And what's going to be some of their biggest hurdles, teams to watch out for that's not in the SEC – uh, it was good to see them get a win over Arizona. But uh, w- what do you expect out of the Razorbacks and, and some of their hurdles and teams to be looking out for this year? 
Well, we know that from an RPI perspective, they're going to be they're going to be fine playing an SEC schedule and the way Matt Michael schedules. We know that the RPI is going to be fine. Um, so I don't have to go to any of the tropes of just avoiding trap games, you know, things like that. Um, I, I think for sure we've talked about the pitching a good bit tonight. I think the pitching is incredibly key. I think the lineup is there. Arkansas's lineup can slug with most of anybody. Um, they're veteran players. You have the Gamels and the Hedgecocks and the Halversons who have been around for a minute, and they're hungry because they want to get there before their careers are over. Yes. So that adds an extra piece too. Um, the pitching is super key for me. Uh, I, I need that pitching to show up in SEC series for all three games to not have a game off. I need somebody to step up. If, if you know a Heron, let's call her the ace for the time being. So probably pitches on a Friday, maybe on a Sunday. But if I'm if I'm talking about what Arkansas needs to do to get to the World Series, I need a line stock, I need a Burline, I need a Camens, and whoever it is, I need somebody to be able to throw seven solid innings on a Saturday. Now everybody has a bad day. I'm not saying somebody to be perfect, but I need somebody to step up, be that number two, somebody to be an effective pitcher in conference. Um, and then once you get to a regional and to a super, that that's where that comes in handy. But I need that pitching depth that's there in number to be there in effectiveness. And if they can be effective, to me, that's an incredible difference maker. Because um, the offense is there. Everybody's going to have bad days, like I said, but the offense is there. We know what the Gamble, Hedgecock, Ellis, Calversons, Carters, Kramers, Johnsons, all of them are made of. Lineup's there. I need that pitching to show up if Arkansas is going to get to the World Series. I think that's I think that's the key. Yeah, and, and I, I'll take it kind of a step further with that, like a third pitcher. Because, look, we've seen it what they've been able to do with two pitchers, and then you get to the mm-hmm. Super Regionals, you get burnt out. Because, it, like, look at what Shanice had to do when Mary Half went down. You're having to carry the full mm-hmm. load. Look what Half had to do when Storms went down. You, you're riding on yeah. two pitchers, and then one of them goes down, and they're carrying the load, and you – especially how regional super and, and the college women's college world series is lined up. I think if you have three stellar pitchers that can carry you through secs, and then if you have to ride with two regionals on, you have that depth, but you have that conditioning where you're not burnt out. That's going to be the biggest key for me to, uh, for this team to get to the college, women's college world series. Well, I think no matter what you're going to have to throw all five of those pitchers. Nikki McGaffin included. She's the one I didn't mention a minute ago. I think no matter what, you're going to have to throw all five of those pitchers in the course of any given weekend series and oh. conference. Um, but I think if you can get into that routine of having, let's say it's Heron and Linestock just for clarity purposes, and it could be anybody. It, it could be anybody of those five. But say Heron starts on a Friday, Linestock starts on Saturday, Heron comes back on Sunday. If you can get into that routine and then you have – an effective Kamenzen who's able to come in. Maybe Robin Heron has a bad night on a Friday night. Maybe you won the first two games, so game three is a little more of a wash. You'd like to win it, but you've already won the series. Maybe you can throw a McGaffin or a Burline or a Kamenzen on a Sunday. Like, so those, again, kind of going back to the nuance piece we were talking about a few minutes ago with some other things, you get into those little nuances that make a difference down the stretch run, but I think they're going to have to rely on that pitching depth all the way. Uh, I think they need two frontline starters, but I think they're going to have to rely on five arms if they're going to get home. Well, Justin, always 
I know, busy man. You're one of the busiest people that I know when it comes to covering your respective sport. So always a pleasure having you on. Uh, we had to definitely catch up with you one weekend in, in, in Bogle Park. Um, but, uh, yeah, again, kudos on the new job, new gig. I know same grind, new gig, but we'll definitely have you on to talk some preseason. You know, we'll recap the SEC season and take us into the, the postseason. But, so I appreciate you coming on, brother. Yeah, sounds good, man. Always fun. No problem. Have a good one. Same to you. Well, that was Justin McLeod of D1 Softball. Always, I uh, mean, again, like I said at the first of the show, nobody grinds any harder when it comes to softball coverage than Justin does. A good friend of mine, love watching games together when he gets to come to, to Bogle Park, and I've literally seen this guy with three TVs, an iPad, and a, a phone when he had did have a weekend off watching uh, postseason coverage of like 20 different uh college turn, conference tournaments going on. So he definitely puts the work in. Now he's it's paid off big time for D1. But that will do it for this episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. We'll come back to you live Sunday as hopefully we're recapping some more Razorback wins. Get this winning streak going. Keep it going rolling because um, we've seen what last week has been able to produce for Razorback sports and the fans and have something to be cheerful about. Um. Baseball team went off on Grambling as normal, 21-1, to 1, I believe. Final score there. So we'll catch you up on all things on Sunday, and we'll catch you then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.